Welcome to the Patriot Podcast, a production of Covenant Academy in Cypress, Texas. Our hope is that this podcast connects you to the heart of our community, culture, and those who are helping shape the hearts and minds of students. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Patriot Podcast. I'm Michael Gaines, and glad you're joining us for another episode as we dive into a conversation today talking about uh, anxiety and what that uh, has looked like uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so as we've all been going through uh, quite a challenging time globally, but also looking at anxiety from a broader sense and understanding what that can look like. And ultimately, uh, we'll talk about Uh, what we can do in a positive aspect to address anxiety, uh, both uh, in in our our lives and also what that looks like in our our homes and our families. So joining me today is uh, the head of school here at Covenant Academy, Leslie Collins. So Leslie, good to see you today. Good to see you. And our esteemed guest today is Caroline McKee, who is a licensed professional counselor and is joining us uh, for this conversation. So Caroline, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Leslie, I know that this is a topic that uh, is uh, certainly uh, prevalent no matter where you go mm-hmm. in in our country, certainly globally. Um, and I know as as we'll talk about in our, our conversation today, anxiety uh, has, has been a as somewhat of a mainstay word, uh, maybe even household word mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some instances, and uh, has certainly come to the forefront in the last uh, mm-hmm. 18 months. I know you've had that uh, perspective, especially from a, a, a educational and mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. standpoint as well. Yes. Yeah. And, and because we're embodied beings, um, what, what we are experiencing within our soul uh, will be experienced in our body. Anxiety is both a physical and a spiritual reality. And the anxiety that um, what, what people are seeing in our culture and in our classrooms is that anxiety within students, among students and their parents is significantly on the rise. Uh, and, and that is, I think, not because of COVID, but exposed by COVID mm-hmm. and worsened um, by the situation of all that has gone with COVID. And I think all of the turmoil and um, vitriol that has been unleashed in our country is reflective of um, a number of things, not the least of which is people just aren't coping well with mm-hmm. a very uh, real situation. Well, uh, so Caroline, I know that I've I've sort of jumped into the the conversation here, but uh, as I like to say often, uh, coming from the world of communications, uh, words matter. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should take a moment and and set some definitions and and uh, common starting points. So when we say sure. anxiety, what what does that mean? Because I think it yeah. might mean something for someone else. So to know that we're all on the same page here. Sure, absolutely. Well, I think Leslie really hit on something with the bodily experience of anxiety. So I think, I mean, there's a lot of ways we try to talk about anxiety. You can talk about being nervous about something. You can talk about worry. Um, but when you think about you know, clinical anxiety, there's a couple of things we focus on. It's pretty long-lasting. 
So as you think about diagnosing something, we're talking like at least six months or more of repeated experience of that kind of underlying feeling. So it can be a feeling, it can be categorized by racing thoughts um, or fixating on certain things. Um, But the bodily piece of it is especially key in kind of thinking about that clinical anxiety. So you're Mm. feeling maybe even panic attacks or that racing heartbeat, difficulty breathing. You can get sweaty palms. All those kinds of things are are what we're talking Mm. about here. So so when we talk about anxiety, um, can you help us position or, or couch it in the broader broader view uh, mm-hmm. from from your perspective as we're looking at uh, how maybe historically some coping mechanisms that mm-hmm. that folks have have uh, taken on and then maybe what changed in the last mm-hmm. year and a half or so and and how that's that's happened sure sure well i think overall most of the time when we're faced with something difficult whether it be anxiety or anything that we categorize as negative. We want to avoid, we want to distract, we want to just kind of push it away, stuff it down, that kind of thing. And one thing I think that's been really unique about COVID is it has exposed the fragility of our system and like the way that we relate to each other, but also the way we relate to ourselves and our world. And it's just stripped us a lot of those things that we felt like were getting us through, it's taken away a lot of those maybe categories that we had that we thought were helping us be healthy, mm. when in reality, it was just hiding um, or distracting. What, what are some examples maybe that that yeah. you might think of? Well, I think about even just distracting yourself in social activities or busyness. I think about kind of hiding in maybe the technological world and having space to hide. So we think about, I mean, things like pornography or social media or things like that where you felt like you could really control your engagement there. Um, I mean, even just if we think about going to bars and engaging in alcohol and a social capacity, that has changed um, because now we're not meeting and it becomes – Maybe something that you thought was managed and all of a sudden you're at home by yourself. Yeah. So so if I could add to mm-hmm. that, just to give some more picture and clarity to that, um, there are a lot of things that, that I think human beings will do to break up the day, to break mm-hmm. up the tension, and in, in an effort to pursue escaping this driving, racing thought or mm-hmm. fear or anxiety or having to manage my emotions or manage these these fears, these irrational um, or sometimes rational mm-hmm. fears that I have, uh, I'm going to to find ways to escape, but I also don't want to expose myself by making sure everybody knows what I'm doing. I can't look like I'm running from a room, Absolutely. but I can look like uh, I'm simply doing socially appropriate things. So it's completely socially appropriate for kids to have screen time. Parents will say, well, I limit my kids' screen time. Okay, that's. I'm glad you're limiting screen time. Um, what are you know? If if you were to evaluate what that looks like, 
uh, how are you limiting that? But but what does screen time provide for that kid? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us say, well, you know, when we grew up in, (laughs) I'll date myself here. (laughs) When we grew up in the 70s, we just, you know, we just sat in front of the TV and we just watched. And how is that any different? Well, it is actually there's a lot of difference because screens are now very intricately connected to your kid and television was monitored. We had basically three stations and you turned it on. You had no control. It was not mm-hmm. reading your mind with an algorithm to figure out what you want more of. Um, when boys turn 11 or 12 or younger than that, they are targeted mm-hmm. by the porn industry. They are looking to get them interested in some way. And when you mention pornography, just so easily, Mm -hmm. I would imagine uh, people make it, well, certainly not in our school. Mm -hmm. No way. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that I'm glad she talked about that for all those people from other schools. But Mm -hmm. the reality is, porn is a way of coping for a lot of people. um, Men, women, girls, boys. Mm -hmm. And it is it is a reality, and very rarely does it um, actually have to do with a lot of sexual expression or discovery, although that is happening and and sex is mm-hmm. um, the perspective of, of actually biblical healthy sex is destroyed. A lot of it is I'm just trying to get an emotional calming response, and I'm just trying to get an emotional mm-hmm. connection. And why? Why is that? Mm-hmm. Is it because we're using screen time so much? So it's all of these things that you you mentioned, I just want to put some, some. how does that even, what does that look like? Well, a kid is just saying, hey, I'm just going to have some, I'm just going to do social media over here and in this corner, they're sitting on a couch and nobody has a clue mm-hmm. because nobody's checking their screen. Mm-hmm. And that that is a reality that is happening all over the country, mm-hmm. whether it's happening in our school I don't know, but I know that we have to accept that that is that is actually normative in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and and so you know, you mentioned social media, which which is another area uh, that can provide a level of perceived control in terms of projecting who you want to be or escapism. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how do you, uh, Caroline, see social media as a a component in that that coping uh, sphere. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I think it's very interesting on this side of COVID. We know that even the companies running social media, they know it's bad. They know it's bad for your kids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's very clear. Um, but we see it, at least the way I see it oftentimes is social media puts up this picture of a very curated, controlled world. And it's this image of perfection. We see it through filters we through see it through editing and um i mean angles all these things it's a curated thing and that seems really appealing as we enter into it but i think all of us know that this perfection that we see is not real and deep down we know that we're not perfect and so it creates this disconnect between what we see and what we know to be true and it's not true relating either when we're relating with someone who's created this image of themselves. And so it just deepens insecurity. It deepens um, just a a lack of security in our who we are or who we should be. It's just 
very mm. problematic, mm. not just body image wise, but I think much deeper than that. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I do wonder as you look at the development and expansion of the social media space and especially with recent developments in terms of providing a, an entire world that you can remove or, or maybe I should say inject yourself into and possibly remove yourself from mm -hmm. the real world mm -hmm. um, that that can be something that m might exacerbate maybe an underlying existing challenge that that some might have in terms of that's exactly what I've been looking for how do I become something mm -hmm. else and not have mm -hmm. to deal with mm -hmm. the real world yeah. deal with real challenges and issues and I can mm -hmm. can go and, and and I don't know that it's necessarily as helpful as as maybe what what some might think. Absolutely. I mean, thinking about even like think about our kids and especially teenagers and where they are developmentally. They're in this stage of developing identity and who they are. And so they are entering into this social media world that is so false and is so curated when really what's going to help them through their identity crisis, so to speak, of our teen years is true, real community. But that becomes very messy. It becomes very, it's hard, right? It's hard to relate to other people. Other people are not always predictable. They are not curated. They are not an algorithm that is feeding you everything you want to hear. And so what happens is the very thing that I believe we all need is this true community, the very thing that we need becomes something that feels too hard and too messy. And we just continue to retreat. Yeah. Um, the gospel is um, the only source of hope. And the gospel literally means good news. But you cannot understand the good news that Jesus Christ offers until you first understand the bad news. You are broken. You live in a world that is filled with brokenness and you need a savior and there's only one. And until you really embrace your understanding of brokenness, as well as your the reality of your brokenness, and also in, embrace the savior who can fill that void, you will never be whole as a, as a fully um, th flourishing Christian. And and that's the lie of social media. That's the lie of porn. That's the lie of soap operas. That's mm -hmm. the lie of of Netflix. That's the lie of the Disney world. That's that's the lie. Is the the problem is you know there is no they're just bad people. It's, we're all bad, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what's that's what's missing. Mm -hmm. um, is obviously a Christian worldview, and and we we are about Christian worldview, but we have to have a Christian worldview of our own humanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when we think about, and and I I certainly echo that, Leslie. Uh, and, and so when we think about having hope in a world of anxiety. Uh, there is hope. There is hope. So it's not necessarily something that we are relegated to uh, be imprisoned uh, mm. in uh, in perpetuity. Uh, that there is uh, a way to to work through that. And and so maybe we can spend a, a few moments talking about that and 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 discussing some ways 
as uh, as families, as you know, of course, we're here at a school, so as students, that ways that we can can um, work through that. So, so maybe uh, Caroline, if you can start us off, maybe just at that high level, what are what are some ways that um, those that might be dealing with anxiety or experiencing that, um, what are some initial thoughts or, or concepts that they can be uh, uh, thinking about? Sure, sure. Well, just really quick to piggyback off of you, Leslie, I think one thing, especially as believers, that we can encourage each other in is that, I mean, I'll get into counseling speak kind of coping things, but something that's underlying all of that, the foundation that we have, is we have incredible resource uh, in Christ mm-hmm. and in this worldview that we believe and that just like I think about it just holding us up mm-hmm. in the midst of all of this. And not everyone in our world, I think it's very clear, not everyone in our world has that foundation. And of course, we're floundering mm-hmm. if that's mm-hmm. how it feels. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think we just need to remember mm-hmm. that the things that we'll talk about today, specific coping things, always remember it's undergirded by what we know to be true in Christ. And we know the end story. Mm-hmm. We know that it was finished on the cross. You know, that that's our context, I would say, for all of this. Yeah. As we think about specific maybe feelings of anxiety, that bodily reaction that we talked about in the beginning, there's a lot of things we can do. Um, a big word right now, of course, is mindfulness. I'm sure at this point, hopefully all of you at least have heard the word. Um, so we can talk about some principles there, thinking about challenging our thoughts, challenging what we feel is out of our control, um, but growing, even in building habits in that coping space and and working hard in that space. It's not going to be something probably that feels automatic. It's going to be something that takes some cultivation, takes some trial and error as to what relates to your life and what relates to your situation. But I would just encourage everyone that in the end, that hard work so pays off. And especially as you think about equipping children and teenagers, students, we're equipping them with coping now that they are going to have for the rest of their life. And so something I love about my work is just this feeling and reality of giving individuals tools that are not going to, they're not going to outgrow those tools. It's going to be something that can affect them. Mm -hmm. When they go on into adulthood, we want to see our children thrive as they enter adulthood, as they approach parenting and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and when you give someone tools, the, the likelihood that they will give others that those tools mm. um, is is very high, and so your your return on investment in what you're doing is exponential. And mm-hmm. and in, in that, because counseling is relationship, it's mm-hmm. it's really friendship, it's discipleship, Absolutely. and so you have the benefit of that, which I very much appreciate you mm-hmm. sowing into mm-hmm. our city. So thanks for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. something I think people forget about counseling is. Over and over and over again in research, sure, there are certain techniques that are research-based, but over and over again, what comes back, we come back to change happens in relationship. Mm -hmm. And so really what the counseling room is, is this little safe bubble Mm -hmm. where we get to practice relating, 
We get to practice in a world that has a lot of boundaries, has a lot of safety on purpose, has some training. We build tools Mm -hmm. and then we get to step out and slowly get our feet wet, engaging um, in a world that. And I just can't resist. Um, So putting, so because because I'm passionate about counseling in my own study of counseling, um, I've always viewed covenant as um, a large counseling space mm-hmm. in which we have we do have this little world we call Covenant Academy, and we have a I my my vision is that our teachers are empowered and equipped with some basic general counseling tools, Mm -hmm. um, hence bringing you in and me training them as well, uh, and, and equipping them as teachers in those shepherding moments where our child is struggling, uh, needing, needing correction, shepherding, guidance, encouragement, uh, resolution of conflict, whatever it might be. Those are the, that's where the good stuff happens. Those Mm -hmm. moments of, um, many, many, many moments of redemption. That's what we want to see. Not just classroom management. Classroom management is shepherding many, many moments of redemption. But, but then, but then those teachers then equip more students and equip those student leaders that we see, and and then they take that out. And that's that's why we're so careful and intentional about our events and squad leadership and house leadership and all of this, so that we would have this general level of communication about counseling and who we are and what we do and how we do things so that it's it's an environment that is filled with that mm-hmm. so that then when students actually need professional help it's easier for them mm-hmm. to pursue that and receive that and also families receive that but that's that's I can't resist that's mm-hmm. everything you just said is is exactly how I've always envisioned covenant mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. so it, just burying my soul there. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that, and that's great to hear. I know that's um, can be certainly um, and is greatly appreciated. So that's that's good to know. So, Caroline, mm-hmm. as you talked through the idea of uh, of really thinking through uh, how how folks can. Uh, approach anxiety and certainly agree with with uh, your sentiment and, and certainly Leslie's comments that uh, ultimately uh, in Christ that's where we should be rooted and and mm-hmm. is um, the, the starting point um, mm-hmm. you know everything else can can certainly supplement but but as we think through that what are what are some um, maybe some some ways we can can be thinking about that space sure sure well I think about especially, in light of COVID and something that has happened in our culture, and it's not new. I mean, we've seen it throughout history, but the feeling of being out of control, I think, is huge in how it relates to anxiety. And we think about sometimes we feel like anxiety is just a synonym to fear. Mm. Um, so when I think about the foundation in Christ that we have, I think about his ability and the Lord's ability to meet us in our fear even just thinking about scripture, um, I know I had heard a pastor speak one time about there's just an like almost innumerable amount of cases in the scripture where the Lord says, do not fear, or some version of that statement. It's like, God knows. Mm. God knows our hearts, and he knows the brokenness that we live in. 
And he knows that there are fears and that life is not, we can't avoid that. We can't get away from that. But he meets us there Mm -hmm. and he meets us there with a perfect savior who will never abandon, who will never let us down when it feels like everyone else is. You know, Christ is someone who we know will not ever leave us or forsake us. And he also, he doesn't just leave us with that. He says, guess what? Here's what I'm going to do one day. Things will be perfect one day. Mm -hmm. And so we have this presence now. We have this Holy Spirit. We have all of these resources. And then we also get to read the last page Mm -hmm. of the story. And what a kindness, Mm -hmm. don't you think, Mm -hmm. for the Mm -hmm. Lord to say, this is what this mm-hmm. is where you're headed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're not alone. The whole journey, it's going to be there's going to be potholes. There are mm-hmm. going to be things that jump out of the bushes. You're not alone. And where you're going is going to be I mean, mm. beyond your wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. And justice will be yes. taken care of. It's it's hard for westerners yes. to mm-hmm. Uh, really resonate with justice, um, but it's actually not for people who have experienced a trauma or people in other parts of the world who are thinking, will there be justice? Mm. I'm in this, you know, internment camp. Will there ever be justice? Mm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think it would be really helpful in light of the brokenness that we do experience every day, um, knowing our perfect savior. Mm. Sometimes I can cognitively know my perfect Mm -hmm. savior. But in this moment, as a as an adult, I might experience anxiety. And how does how does my perfect savior equip me in mm. this broken moment? And there are students who I'm so grateful that they come to me and say, "I need a moment." Or there are su- students who go to their teacher and say, I, "I'm I need a moment." Uh, and I'm so grateful that our teachers are equipped. Um, to help them mm-hmm. and and walk them through those moments of brokenness in which the cognitive knowledge just isn't working sure. it, because my there's a there's a there's a break between my head and my heart and my and my hands and so mm-hmm. help us yeah in that triad complete that. sure well the framework i like to think through is god creating us as whole beings mm-hmm. right so we have our mind and our soul and our body and our emotions and all of this stuff is interconnected and so oftentimes when we feel stuck in one area i feel like it's it's become very clear that god has given us tools in an, another part of ourself so when i think about getting stuck in that cognitive loop we have our bodies and that our bodies are equipped to help calm our brain, to help calm down our system so that we are not feeling panicked or we're not feeling maybe stuck or overwhelmed in that moment. And so I think about when I when I think about mindfulness or or grounding techniques, something that I like that's very simple um, is just thinking about how we utilize our five senses to connect us to a present moment. So many of you probably have heard me say the 54321 exercise. I will ride that horse <laughs> for forever. It's just an amazing amazing tool that is so simple but is also so profound just and I mean if I was not bound by HIPAA, I could tell you amazing stories. <laughs> uh, but just 
Trust me when I say that I have seen this little exercise change mm-hmm. families' lives. Mm-hmm. And it's and I think it's just again that kindness of God in the way he's equipped our bodies, the way he's formed our brains. Yes, our brains are wired to freak out, but they are also wired to calm down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really quick, let me just walk you through what I mean when I say the 54321 mm-hmm. exercise. Mm-hmm. It's great with any age. It's great for parents. It's great for kids. It's great for students, teens. But the way to walk through that, if you're feeling overwhelmed, stuck, um, maybe overcome by emotion, and the goal is to be calm and regulated, the first thing to do is to think about and verbalize, if you can, five things that you see. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to look around and you're going to talk about five things that you see As a parent, you can ask your kids to join you in that. If your children are younger, they it might be harder to get them to start doing it on their own if they're super overwhelmed, but you can start noticing things that you see. And it's amazing how children will feel that calm and regulation Mm -hmm. in you and engage. So you start with five things that you can see. Then you move to what are four things that your body feels in this moment? So the little ones, you know, they're always, mm-hmm. what are my fingers mm-hmm. feeling? Mm-hmm. But as they, as you have older kids, you know, you can think about, well, what does it feel like to be wearing this sweatshirt? Or what does it feel like to be sitting in this chair and noticing what is my body telling me through touch and mm-hmm. feel? Um, you can notice, if you need to deepen that one, you can notice, well, what is the difference between maybe my sweater and this table. Hmm. What are the temperature differences? Those kinds of things. Hmm. Then you're thinking about what are three things that you can hear around you? What do you notice? Even if it's just somebody's breathing, even if it's, wow, it's really calm and quiet in this room. Let's notice that. Let's notice what that's like. And you can even enter in, especially with hearing, if you have a child who needs to be held or comforted, again, probably you're thinking more, you know, lower elementary or preschool, but you can just ask the question, I wonder if you can hear my heart beating. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible resource and regulation for a child to hear their parent or a trusted Mm -hmm. adult heart beating you hear them breathe in a really calm way. It's just a phenomenal tool mm. that I think we we forget. But we, we're all equipped with it. We're walking around with it. Um, so hearing is a great one. The last two, I think, can get harder. You have to be maybe a little bit more intentional. But thinking about two things that you can smell. So something that can be helpful is if you have a candle or essential oils or lotion Yep. Hand or sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. Yes, yeah. I think we've all learned to smell that. Yeah. <laughs> Food. If you have small boys like me, you're smelling feet and <laughs> not so nice things. Yeah. Um, but anything that feels creative for them to smell. And then taste is a really powerful, t- mm-hmm. powerful tool also just when it comes to connecting with a present moment. Mm-hmm. So if someone has just eaten something, you can you can check in with that. Like, do you taste anything still? Or, of course, you can use something sweet or minty or sour, something just to connect with that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. sense. Wow. And as you walk through that progression, 
typically, it may take a couple of times, but it's amazing to see once you get to that taste, you just notice difference in that person's body and in their, the way they're relating to their world, just using their five senses. Mm-hmm. So it's an incredible tool. Yeah. And it, and you've, you've shared that with mm-hmm. our teachers. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. Um, I pulled out our little coping cards that, mm-hmm. that uh, you gave us the template for and um, teachers have them. I have them. Um, and it's very helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, lavender scented mm-hmm. hand sanitizing spray is very helpful smell. Very uh, helpful. Yeah, all of that. And, and regardless of the age, mm-hmm. it, it, helps people to regulate because we just kind of lose touch. And, and so the idea is that by going through this exercise, it allows the individual to maybe come to a, 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 a point of maybe being able to remove themselves from whatever emotive situation or, or outlier situation that they may have been in to then say, okay, now I'm ready to to engage and, and, and maybe talk through that or address it. Yes. If you want to do the deep dive into brain kind of functioning, basically what we're trying to counteract here is the amygdala hijack. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get them from that reptile, like early brain that's fight or flight and bring ourselves back to the resources that we have in our prefrontal mm. cortex. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's fascinating. Mm. Yeah, the, the reptile brain gets a bad rap because it nobody does. likes the fact that it's called a reptile brain. I don't yeah. personally like it. <laughs> yeah. But you can consider it your your um, automatic responses. Yes. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't think about them, but this is what saves you in a car accident mm-hmm. if if you were able to act fast enough. Mm-hmm. And so if you're if a kid is feeling in crisis, which could happen, uh, because they got a slight correction, mm-hmm. very slight correction that to a typical child in a typical situation, that would have been nothing to that child. It, it just, that's the beginning of anxiety. And they got into, mm-hmm. and, and helping them to work through, okay, let's pull that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but to understand that what there's, it's very helpful to get past their behavior. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not obeying me right now. Mm-hmm. I asked you to do this and you're not obeying me. But God knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust, as the psalmist says. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, when when we can look at our students and get past their behavior, not that behavior is not important, not that they don't need to be taught to obey. Um, they do, but we need to shepherd. Mm-hmm. And we need to, to say, hmm, I wonder. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm seeing some indications of real anxiety here. You know what? I'm wondering, could you show me five things that you Mm, see right mm, now? mm, mm. Let's let's just get past this. We're just going to play a different game. Often I'll just say, and I'm so thankful that our our school is just so committed to the the whole child. Mm -hmm. Um, There are kids whose teachers, uh, and I'll say, tell them, yes, if they are completely coming unglued, I don't. You don't need to deal with that. You need to teach the rest of the class. They'll bring them in here, mm-hmm. and even the folks in our office know this is a walk. This child needs a walk, um, and so we'll just say, "Oh, come take a walk with me," and then we can go through the coping card while they're walking mm-hmm. around that peaceful courtyard, mm-hmm. and suddenly then the child is able to talk because mm-hmm. they're not in a crisis. And guess what? That child in a crisis does not have to come from an abused background. Mm-mm. That can just be any kid. Mm-hmm. And and today, 
the likelihood, um, well, today the, the, the stats seem to show that more and more kids are anxious. I'd love to hear you talk about that. More and more kids are anxious in, in this current culture perhaps than ever before. And it's, mm. it's, it sounds so foolish to say that. Mm. Um, it sounds like we're just being, you know, crazy, uh, you know, clickbait grabbing, mm -hmm. but it's a reality. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear you talk about what you see in the counseling world. It's, mm -hmm. it's not just the kids, is it? Right. Right. I, when I think about our world and, those of us who are in it, I mean, it's it's certainly not just the kids that are that are feeling this. And I think if we, even sitting at this table and parents that are listening, if we get really honest with ourselves, how often are we feeling stressed, anxious, pressure, busyness, rushed? I mean, thinking about all of those words, if we just repeated those words and you had to give me like a temperature check on where you are, I know for me, all of those things raise my blood pressure. All of those things make my shoulders tense, right? Mm -hmm. And so we live in this world and our kids, kids are so perceptive. <laughs> kids are so, they're just taking it all in. And the, what's so hard, I think, for children is they're taking it all in. They're absorbing stress. They're absorbing what's in the news. They're absorbing mm -hmm. the feeling that we get after a Facebook fight. They're mm -hmm. absorbing, you know, the road rage. They don't understand the depth and the complexity in those situations, but they know how it feels mm -hmm. and they know how it makes you as a parent feel. And so their brains are not equipped to make sense of that, mm -hmm. but their body feels it all. And so it's internalized in this kind of tension and and stress and really deep, deep down feelings of unsafety. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, I think, what's so hard about this day and age is we have individuals growing up with this feeling of unsafety who have not experienced trauma on a personal level. We could maybe talk about cultural trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, we could mm -hmm. maybe talk about political trauma, all these kinds of things that our world is feeling. But these kids have not experienced a direct situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They come from very loving, mm -hmm. warm families, Christian families. And yet we're seeing these anxious responses, I think, in a lot of ways because we have this underlying tension and stress that they're just internalizing that doesn't make sense mm -hmm. and they don't if we're not talking about it that would be one thing that i think would encourage parents to talk about feelings to talk about mm -hmm. what is your body experiencing this moment because and not feel threatened mm -hmm. by your child responding like i don't feel safe and you want sometimes i think we think like what Mm -hmm. Of course you're safe. Do you have any idea uh, how yeah. much safer you are? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm doing all this. Yeah. That's exactly. what I get. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And yet, but it, not to react to that. So to do our own work of regulating, but to enter into those emotions and to that experience and address it mm -hmm. and talk about it and and talk through like, okay, well, what was bringing up that feeling in your body? Yes. Mm. Yes. We just miss, I mean, it's just communication, yeah. but I will say something I think I'm preaching to myself here is we all need space. Mm. 
mm. to do this. Mm. And our world, and especially I think our Houston culture mm. and the surrounding areas, does not want you to have space. No. That it is pushing work your 60-hour work week, have your kids in all the sports, do all the things, go, 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 have go, the go, perfect go, go, house, go, go, go. exercise, mm-hmm. drink your water, do all these things mm-hmm. um, for your self-worth ultimately. Yeah. yeah, And so we miss out on space with our kids. We miss out on space with ourselves. We miss out on space with our significant other. Um, and we need space to really – be relational mm-hmm. and yeah. we're missing that slow down slow everybody. way down there is, there, i mean houston does not hear that have you seen our roads yeah. <laughs> <laughs> slow down and it's it's hard that's a that's a very ancient paradigm mm-hmm. and it's actually really healthy and mm-hmm. um, i would love for us to you know just have an ancient day mm-hmm. um, myself included um Absolutely. there was a time i was slower i want to say this i i know this this is a a a drum that I beat. Um, <clears throat> and I will say, uh, I remember, I remember nine 11 mm. and I remember that level of fear and that sense that I needed to be informed. I, I needed to know what was going on. And so I used to hate talk radio because of course I, if, if podcast existed, I didn't know about mm. them. I wasn't engaged. Um, but podcasts have really just changed. Talk radio is still there, um, but people just pick their talk radio mm-hmm. through a podcast, their echo chamber. But I remember I had to listen to talk radio. I had to know what was out there. I had to know. What, I just had to. And I think a lot of people did. And 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 I don't. I don't even remember if I had the wherewithal to turn it off when the kids were in the car. Mm. And and so I would say to parents, turn it off mm-hmm. because the kids are absorbing it. And as you said, it, it, pe- people might say, well, they can't possibly know that I'm stressed. Oh, honey, they oh. know. Mm. They always they know. know. They know. And they know when things are going on. And And we got to a place when our kids were older where we would say, hey, Here's what's going on, and they they the kids said thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. We always knew something was going on. Yes. Why? Mm-hmm. And when you're telling us, okay, we really need to save money because X Y Z, or mm-hmm. okay, we really mm-hmm. need to be in prayer about X Y Z. This is so much more helpful than you feeling like we couldn't handle it because we can handle more than you think we can. Sometimes kids can't handle all that we think they can, mm-hmm. so there's sure. prudence, but. All that to say, please turn the news off. Mm-hmm. Please turn the news off. And, and you know, our kids, our upper school kids, grades 7 through 12, every morning listen to Watch, World Watch, which is um, through World Magazine. It is a biblical um, perspective on the news. And it has uh, great stories. It te- teaches them so, so, so much about what's going on in the world, cultural literacy from a Christian worldview from a hope-filled worldview. Mm-hmm. And at the end, every time he, um, Brian Basham says, whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a great way to begin and end that conversation. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. I would encourage parents to think about if they're not doing that with, with them, themselves, finding a way to get a biblical perspective mm-hmm. on the news um, 
a, a perspective that may be biased through the lens of scripture rather than through the lens of political party. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you're if if that's getting you through the day in that same way that talk radio was getting me through the day, making me feel like I knew more because I don't like not knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a bad coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. That's you feeling like you need to have control. Absolutely. Mm. Biblical bias. I'll take that bias all day long. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And somebody's yeah. going to admit their bias. Right. We're going to say, we're going right. to call you out for doing this. Right. We're going to call you mm-hmm. out for doing that because that's exactly mm. what we're supposed to do. That's right. why we're supposed to have freedom of the mm-hmm. press. So they can call out mm-hmm. um, with freedom, not right. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I think about children and teens and just it's a beautiful thing that they are seeking to make sense of what they're mm-hmm. bringing in right mm-hmm. that's a great thing we want our kids to be seeking to build that narrative and figure out what's going on mm-hmm. but i think what happens when there's this undercurrent of emotion or stress and there's not communication and we see it in children of separated or divorced parents mm-hmm. they fill in the gaps kids will oh, always yeah. fill in the gaps if of a situation that they don't understand and they don't have all the information. Right. And it's not that, again, yeah, they don't need every detail. They don't need things that are above their pay grade, so to speak. But giving them age-appropriate information helps them not fill in the gap with self-doubt, blame, right. all of those things that can set in early in childhood that then we see living mm-hmm. out in young mm-hmm. adulthood and into, you know, yeah. their own families. Yes. Yes. So, exactly. Something yeah. to be mindful of. Right. Well, Leslie, as we wrap up our conversation with Caroline, uh, for parents in the covenant community who might say, hey, you know, this this has really resonated with me, um, you know, maybe even with uh some of their observations uh, of their their child, um, w- what might be a, a way that they can mm-hmm. go forward and, and maybe take some some proactive steps? Hmm. Uh, that's a great question. So if they wanted to take some proactive steps, meaning uh, with professional help, um, well, just reach out to me. Uh, there are uh, a couple of counselors that we we know. Um, there are there are a lot of counselors in Houston. Mm-hmm. We live in a large city, um, and they, you know, obviously, go find them. Um, that's a lot of power to give someone over mm-hmm. your child's state of mind. Uh, so we just have some friends, Caroline being one. Uh, that we we can refer people to, um, but go and find somebody that you trust. And more mm-hmm. importantly, if I dare say, go find someone that your child trusts, mm-hmm. um, so that they're willing to talk to. And that per- hopefully that person will bring you into the process of being also their counselor, because parents are the first and best counselor for every child. And if you if those parents can be equipped then they are better off um, because they are, besides the child who counsels themselves more than anyone else, um, often badly, mm-hmm. um, self-included, um, besides the child, the parents are the next best um, counselor. And uh, by the way, all of them need to be mm-hmm. informed. So right. I would right. that's what I would say. What would yeah. you say? Yeah. I always tell parents, I'm with your child maybe an hour a week. So let's talk about you know, what's going on at home, where can you enter in, all those kinds of things. But I would just say, too, that while it might feel overwhelming to feel 
the statistic ramifications of anxiety being on the rise, of it being more prevalent. I will also say there is power and hope in it being talked about more. Mm -hmm. And because it's being talked about more and because it's more – our society in general is more open to mental health, there are so many resources. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage people to reach out to pastors at your church reach out to each other, engage in professional mm-hmm. help, mm-hmm. engage with your school. Um, there's so many more resources than people think. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be going it alone. Mm-hmm. Please Great. don't do Amen that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Please that. bring it into community, the good, the bad, the ugly. Let's do life together right. you need versus apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity is a community. It's a perfect mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. And and we are made in the image of that Mm -hmm. and therefore we need community and when we go it alone we're listening to the lie absolutely well uh, we've been talking with caroline mckee licensed professional counselor uh who is a a familiar face here on the covenant academy campus and uh, also had leslie collins the head of school here at covenant and we've been talking about the topic of anxiety. So uh, Caroline and Leslie, thank you so much for the conversation Mm -hmm. today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Patriot Podcast. If you have any questions or comments about anything discussed, feel free to contact us on our website at covenantcypress.org.